Yo, this is our 100th episode. If you've been joining us since episode one, we love you and we appreciate you. Today, we have a very special episode for you guys with a very special guest. His name is Grimaldi. He is our, me and Danny's former youth pastor. He is a worship leader and now an apologist. And he is so knowledgeable. He's a man of God. And we have him on the podcast today. So listen in, it's gonna be an amazing episode. Thank you for a hundred episodes of just support from you guys. So thank you for, for those who've been listening to episode one. We appreciate you and time to receive some crazy knowledge. And it's like, what does that thing about all of like, you know, people coming together, creating these doctrines and there's like this, I don't know, it's just so, it's like complicated, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, like all these complicated things that it's just like, makes you question like, dang, what's true and what isn't? Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, which, you know. Right. I think, I think that, I think that there's for those type of things that there's levels of um, engagement. So, and what I what I mean by that is, as a new believer, I would I would have never engaged in those type of things. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, as a new believer, mm-hmm. you know Who that does? didn't even interest me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, what interested me was the simplicity of you know salvation, the fact that God. Uh, took me from a place of darkness into a place of light mm. you know and not only that but the transformation that occurred in my life as a result of that was very real yes. and that's what i was focused on at that point in my life yeah and it's like the joy and like the yeah you know yeah. like oh seeing seeing new colors like in a way where it's yeah, like yeah. life is just so beautiful and there's actual the, the light that you wanted to feel all the amazing emotions and exactly the experience yeah. and the life change that's no. it's yeah I yeah and i think that was and and you know i i i lived off that mm-hmm. you know for years and it was good that's how it should be right but then there was a time for me personally when i felt like okay there is a lot of there there are a lot of people who've thought through this not mm-hmm. not just thought through this stuff but pray have prayed through it have even died keep in mind that a lot of the theology that we rest on today People lived and died for that stuff mm. back when they were being formed. It's not like today we could have an opinion about something and so and say, "Oh, wow, that's your opinion. That's great." Mm-hmm. Back then, your opinion, if it wasn't in line, yeah, with the opinion of the ruling party or mm-hmm. the ruling religion or the ruling even denomination, you died. A lot of these guys died for what they believed. So it wasn't like they were just sitting there and goes, oh, let's just make this up. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let me just make up a contrary teaching so that we could have another opinion because it wasn't like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. anything, they they the, literally would like, die for that. Like doctrines mm-hmm. were raised up because of challenges, right? Like yes. someone tried to say, this is also part of it. And we're like, wait, 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 we have to actually write this down and see what is the, 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 the mm-hmm. foundation of this belief because you're trying to say that, but that's actually not true. Right. So that's when doctrines were, well, I remember like re- learning about that. Yeah. But then that, that, so of course the persecution, right? Which we learned about where the cool thing, how was that during when Christians were being persecuted a lot, there was so much more unifying, like there's so much more unification with any, with the believers, right? Absolutely. Everyone's like, you know, there's, there's actual real Christians at this point, like people that aren't mm-hmm. fake, mm-hmm. that aren't lukewarm. Right. They're a hundred percent Christian. They're right. living for Jesus in the midst of this persecution. But then when, what was his name? The guy that, that kind of Constantine, Constantine. I think it was, yeah. that like said, okay, it's okay to be a Christian. But then after that happens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then there's like the, oh, I want to be a Christian. Yeah. Which kind of, it's so weird how 
when we're given the freedom to be this way, there begins the lukewarmness, the kind of like, eh, I don't really want to follow God today. I want to follow God tomorrow. Yeah. But then back yeah. then it's like, th those were like the Christians that would, oh, God said yeah. leave tomorrow, I'm leaving. Or God Cause, said Because it came this. to life or death. Yeah, like for them, it was life or death. And so seeing that, that yeah. the, the freedom of being a Christian, but then there's like the, this is so you know the laziness the like nah, you know well you're i think you're hitting you're hitting on something that actually i think that a, a good calvinist actually would be like oh they this is this is theological gold and I'm, i'll tell you why because the whole idea of human autonomy is 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 on display here okay and uh, you know not to not to set this in stone but keep in mind so you you're talking about um you know, you said something that was curious. When they were given the freedom to do it, mm. all of a sudden things started getting lukewarm, started getting convoluted. You know, uh, church and state were being yeah. mixed in a way that that was horrible. Through for for that began a a period of history where church and state um, were so intertwined that people were dying for not having the proper belief. Mm. Right, and yep. it was it was governmental. It wasn't just ecclesiastical. It was governmental enforcement mm -hmm. that was killing that were killing people for wrong beliefs. Okay, um, and so you said something about once people were given the freedom, and and one of the one of the main things about uh, a good reformed theology is the whole idea of human autonomy versus living from the creator to creature perspective. In other words, God is the plumb line. We um, adjust ourselves to the plumb line. Hmm. Whereas there's something about humanity when we're that that longs for and and this is very this this actually lines up to what this topic that you guys are actually this is a good intro to the topic because um the whole idea of romans romans one is that um people the the original plan of god was that we would live under the rule and authority of god mm. yeah. and the issue of sin was the challenge to that by exerting by believing the lie that we could exert our own autonomy, our own, we could be our, we could be like God. Mm. We could be the the center of our universe, where God was no longer mm. the center of the universe and the center of all things. But we now, the lie is that we can be at the center of the universe, so to speak. Um. I would say that there's nothing like persecution to make you realize that you aren't the center of the universe. There's nothing like persecution to make you realize that you're not in control mm -hmm. of your own destiny. And I think that the dependence that's necessary for people in the midst of persecution, you think of even now Christians that are persecuted all over the world, they have to depend on God, unlike us mm. who are so-called free. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's mm -hmm. a greater dependence. Right. So there is so so there is a there is a dependence. And 
and a a uh, a reformed theologian would argue that that dependence is the only way that we can live in general mm. that that level of dependence mm. is the way we're supposed to live that that the idea of of human autonomy is a is a false idea because think about it we have how many how many people in the world uh, Seven billion? no it's, billion. i think it's up up north of eight yeah yeah so could you imagine eight yeah. billion people exercising their own autonomy in this hmm. world <laughs> right there's something about that 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 when you think about it that way is not natural and it's not natural because the argument is that we all were created we all were created to be dependent mm -hmm. beings hmm. which is probably why the world feels darker now absolutely because it's like we see more and more people just living away from that where it's right. like i you know i'm my own person i don't need god i don't need that right it's like as as we go longer it's like we've stepped further and further away from that dependency from god yeah and even as christians i feel like that's what we're doing too yeah. you know especially in the country that we live in you know that freedom that you talked about it's like compared to other countries where they don't have sure they don't have the food and the opportunities that we have but that leads them to rely more mm -hmm. on god that yeah. like necessity of dependency on god where right. it's like they don't have another option we do right. and because we have that other option that leads to like us being less and less and less dependent on God. Yeah, and a common thing we we spoke about before was like this 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 view on the Western world and how Western like world Christians compared mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. Christians in any other you know part of the other country. It's just like mm -hmm. they're just more dependent. They're just there's there's more there's more things happening in different right. countries with Christians where like there's miracles happening, there's healings, right. but then in the Western world there's this sense of like just mm -hmm. like I said more like fake lukewarm right. not really christians aren't really walking god's fullness of, of their life and seeing the difference in that because of the freedom we have or it's just like man like I, we we want to get to that dependence right. because mm -hmm. we know at that dependence there's fullness of what god has for right. us see but that's my thing that's my question is is it possible for us to get to kind of that level of dependency again is it possible well the the fullness is so here we're talking about the tension of the already and not yet mm -hmm. right so we live in that tension still. And this is, again, this is the thing that people in, in working out our salvation with fear and trembling, I think this is where people do not do the internal work. It's easier to just say yes or no. Mm. So yeah, we, 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 part of redemption, part of the redemptive story is that we will arrive to that point part of the redemptive story is not only that we will arrive to that point of um, that level of relationship with God, because that's what salvation is all about. But in the meantime, we are also arriving at that point. So mm -hmm. there's like, we will arrive, we are arriving, but then there's a point where the, the kingdom has been inaugurated mm. in Christ Jesus in what Jesus did on the cross. So the kingdom coming has been inaugurated. So we are experiencing that where mm. we're growing in that, but then there's also a fullness that's going, there's a culmination of that too. So the answer to all of it is yes, yes, yes. You know, in, 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 in the sense of 
Um, can we experience that fullness? Yes. Are we in the meantime uh, able to experience some of that fullness? Yes, but not like it's going to be yeah. in the culmination of things. Mm. So what we are experiencing now are deposits, uh, are inbreakings, are are signs of what's going to fully come mm. and what's going to fully happen. Um, so I think that that's where we're growing in a relation or having this relationship mm -hmm. is worked mm -hmm. out with God because what what we're doing is every time we're relating with God and we're growing with God we're entering into scripture we're entering into prayer we're entering into ministry even praying for other people and ministering to other people what we're actually doing is we're entering in to an aspect of eternity mm. we're entering and we're we're interacting with what is going to be the norm for eternity. Hmm. Okay. So what we get, so what we get to do, I think here and here's here's where the discipleship aspect and the work again, having a relate why is it important to have a relationship with God? Why is it important here on earth mm -hmm. for us to talk about these things, to dive into the Bible, to dive into scripture, to dive into prayer? It's important because in those moments we get to interact with what eternity is mm. going to be like. You see, mm. so Jesus inaugurated that level of, of relationship with God where there are no walls between God and man anymore except our inability to enter in or mm. our desire, you know, whatever. But, there, but really there are no walls between God and man anymore. Mm. So in the midst of that, we could experience inbreakings of mm. the kingdom of eternity interacting with god in a relationship with him which prepares us for what's going to be the mm. full culmination at the end of the age so there's no walls besides our own distractions and besides our own lives. oh of course yeah our own yeah. you know humanity and even our own sin our own yeah. sin right. nature you know that's something that we and that's the thing with the already and not yet the tension is that we're still dealing with this mm. you know but what can we do to experience more of it to like just well i think that's see that so i think that's where more. i think we have to look at the spiritual disciplines not yeah. as oh this is what i have to do no what we have to look at the spiritual disciplines as moments to interact with eternity whoa <sighs> what okay. a beautiful view on it yeah mm -hmm. we yes. have to look at the spiritual disciplines as moments to interact with the fullness with eternity mm with what's going to be with what our with what our eternal experience is going to be and i think that if we look at it that way then we see reading scripture we see prayer we see worship we see all these spiritual disciplines as opportunities hmm. to experience what's going to be eternity Rather mm. than oh, I just I gotta do this. I gotta right, do right, it. right. This That's is good so for wonderful. me. Wow. You know, I'm just I'm taking my vit. No, it's not you taking your vitamins. It's you <laughs> interacting with eternity. I love that. Mm. Yeah. What do your spiritual disciplines look like on a daily basis? Because I know, so you're a pastor. <sighs> yeah. And you're also a worship leader. Does that intertwine with your uh, yes. your disciplines? Absolutely. So it it's not like where where's the 
not balance, but the the difference between work and you experiencing God, or is that just all one? Mm. So it's funny because a lot of people say, well, you know, you got to make sure as a pastor and as a minister that you have that you have your own private life, that you're not just you're reading the, the overflow, right? That you're working, which is true. It's mm -hmm. all true. It's all all of the above is true. Um, I tend, for me personally, I tend not to separate my spirituality from my um, from my service. Mm. Um, I th I think that they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I think that my spirituality and my service are life giving to me. Not not my not, not because it it's my job. Not because I earn money from it or support my family with mm. it, or it's you know I have to make sure that I it's what I I I do work for my overflow, but my overflow I receive from my interaction with my ministry and my service, as well as prayer, as well as you know reading scripture. Or mo for me these days is listening to scripture a lot. I, mm. I I I love the apps that where I could go to sections of scripture, put my headphones in, and just press play, and just sit there and listen to sections of scripture. Nowadays, I'm devouring a lot of good theological stuff. Like I, you know, people people talk about seminary and Bible school. Like, oh gosh, it's such a for me, it's not like this bore or like this this thing I have to do in mm -hmm. order to become mm -hmm. a pastor. For me, right now, studying theology is life giving. Mm. You know, it is it is opening up my my world, my heart, my mind, my my spirit to um, aspects of God that I that I didn't take into account so much mm -hmm. so that it's awe-inspiring and um when when theology is awe-inspiring for me then it, mm -hmm. it forces me to uh, to look at god mm. to see him or 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 to say wow god you are so much bigger than what i could even imagine mm. and yet to the extent that you've allowed yourself to be known, to that extent, mm -hmm. we can know you fully, but yet you're totally unknown. So it's it's almost like um, how can I explain it? It's almost like oh, I guess we could use the corny illustration of the iceberg, right? It's like okay. we see the tip of the iceberg, right? But then what we what we relate to is the tip of the iceberg now is the tip of that iceberg the iceberg yes yeah, it is yeah, in yeah. a sense of it's it's mm -hmm. the iceberg mm -hmm. but what's underneath is is much more a part of it's is a big part of that iceberg yeah mm -hmm. uh in comparison to what we see mm -hmm. but when we see the tip of that iceberg we are in essence in a sense seeing the iceberg but we're not seeing the fullness of that iceberg you know what mm. i'm saying mm. so like so do we know that an iceberg is there absolutely can we say that is an iceberg yes absolutely but is the level of that iceberg that we're seeing the fullness of mm, that iceberg right no not necessarily mm. and i think that and you know 
when we th- when we think of God, you know, yes, what we see is what we need to see. Yeah. But what we don't see, the essence of who God is, right. is when you think about it, it is so mind blowing. Hmm. Um, and but to me, that inspires awe. Uh, and I think that awe is necessary mm. for humility. I think mm. awe is necessary for worship, mm. for true worship, to say, God, you are God, I am not, you know? Yeah. I think that level of awe is a necessary thing at this point in my life for me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So so worship, put on worship music, uh, scripture, mm-hmm um i'll you know read books um there's a there's so many different things Mm. yeah i mean that's awesome so you know i think when me or danny or anyone might try to share jesus to someone right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we usually share it as like you know you you have this emptiness right Mm -hmm. because everyone everyone even if they don't feel it right mm-hmm. we have a god-shaped hole in our heart right, right. Mm-hmm. we have a part of our heart that needs to be filled by god and god alone because right. nothing else can really fill it and so we, we have our ways where we kind of like try to share the gospel and tell someone like why they need it like you know you you you, you find your peace you find your your joy and these kind of counterfeit things that sure they do make you happy and mm-hmm. do give you a sense of peace mm-hmm. temporarily Right. But then you have to go back to it and get another fix or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we have we have these different ways of sharing, you know, Jesus and stuff. But, you know, it's, for many people, they can find a response to it. That's that's like, I don't need God. I can just do this or, you know, right. and, like, let's say in the emptiness aspect, like, oh, you feel empty. And someone's like, well, you know, that's something that a lot of people do feel. But then, you know, something happened and they don't feel that way no more. So yeah. I don't really need God. So that's kind of the way we, we might share Jesus. But how would you how would you say, like, Christianity is you you need it you need jesus like mm-hmm. how would you share that in like a, a kind of a more like for a person who's more intellectual more of a thinker sure. who mm. who's kind of like you know question, yeah. why you know what's the existence of god like right. why is god real why do i need to serve him why right. do i need to follow him no that's a great question i think it's it's interesting because in essence what you said is what i would share mm. mm-hmm. but i i would i would share it in a different way yeah but the essence of what you said is actually what romans one talks about hmm. So Romans 1 talks about how humanity, and, and Paul actually, this is a great thing, Paul actually addresses human history in Romans 1 based hmm. on that very, that very concept. So, you know, people were created in the image of God to worship God, to serve God. Yeah. And when we talk about this God, the revelation of this God, we're not talking about a generalized deity. We're talking about the God of the Bible. We're talking about the triune god of the bible Mm -hmm. okay so the revelation of god to man is from the perspective of this god created humanity yeah humanity traded this god for a sense of autonomy the Mm. lie is that we can be the rulers we can be the arbiters of our own destiny again when people think about that in isolation, it sounds good, you know, but when you think about it as a collective whole, 8 billion people in the world, mm. you start realizing how 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 foolish, potentially foolish, a sense of autonomy really mm. is. Mm. Uh, how potentially foolish someone thinking that they are the king of their own destiny. Right. 
we weren't created that way. So the original decree was that we were created to be independence. We right. live our fullest life. We live life the way it was meant to be in the original purpose, mm. in the original decree of God That's to beautiful. man. Beautiful which is in relationship to man. So, I mean, in relationship to God. So that's broken. We trade off. And Romans 1 says that what human humans did was they traded uh, the God to worship the created. They, they traded the creator to worship created things. Hmm. And in worshiping <laughs> created things, wow. God, gave, God gave them over to that. But... Romans also says that every human being was given, was implanted the knowledge of this God. Okay? So when you talk about the God-shaped hole, huh. right? Well, Paul would say that God-shaped hole is that every human being has the knowledge of God in them, but Ooh. when they do not live according to that knowledge, then what you see is the result they try they they find something else to try to fill that Ooh, void okay. because because that void is there by natural creation in other words by mm. the the decree of god in creation that that sense the 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 um the uh, Reformed theologians would call it the sensus divinitatis, or the sense of of divinity, sense of God. The mm. sense, the the truth of God is in each one of us. Every mm. human being walks with that sensus in them. Mm. That's why, by the way, uh, a Reformed theologian would say, "Well, you see, idolatry. Idolatry is is just people trying to fulfill mm -hmm. that sensus." that God originally put in them. Right. But they're trying to fulfill it in the sense of autonomy and not in relationship to the God of creation. Yeah, so basically like everybody needs a God. Everyone needs a God because the need for God, for the true God, right. is in everyone. Exactly. Hmm. Right. But what if someone is like, I don't feel that need. I, I have my wife, I have my kids, I have a house, I have a lot of good, good money coming in, I have a nice car, I'm living life, I'm going on vacations. Like, I don't, I don't feel that need for God. What do I need God for? Well, they, but they, you see, the, the thing is that uh, if you live in active suppression, so again, the scripture Ooh. then mm -hmm. begins to say that you have that need for God, you're created with that need for God, but what humanity has done is they've traded off that need for God for autonomy, hmm. uh, for self-determination, so mm -hmm. to speak. And mm -hmm. self-determination is that. So they're, they're not saying they, they're expressing their God mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by saying that they don't need God. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're expressing who their God is. Their God is, has become their self-determination, their own self. Wow. Their, uh, their autonomy is become, has become their idol now. And what happens to somebody that does that? To somebody that replaces that need for the true God with something else? Well, I think, I think we see the results of that in the world. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that everyone you know when we say that every you know everyone is overtly evil no I, i'm not saying that but i i think we we see the results of that we see mm -hmm. we see people trying to replace 
um, what only God can fulfill with things that at the end of the day don't necessarily bring any fulfillment to their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um and yet, and so, and then, and because the the act of suppression is so strong, it's not only that it's an active thing, but it's it's also deceitful in a sense. Like so, so I would argue that that suppression is so strong that it can be deceitful in a way that you can go around life thinking that you're great, you're fine, mm. yeah. When you're really not fine. Hmm. So even someone not recognizing their need is actually suppression happening. Right. Wow. Is actually the act of suppression in full blown and bloom. In front of that is pride. Right. Oh, 100%. absolutely. 100%. In front of that is pride. Yeah. In front of that is autonomy. Wow. In front of that is saying, I am the ruler of my own destiny. Hmm. Wow. And then again, in modern times, in modern philosophy, that sounds normal because right. everyone is taught that now. Oh yeah. But if we if we look at the absurdity of that, mm-hmm. when we when we you know sit back and look at the absurdity of eight billion people trying you know saying or thinking or or believing that they are the the um, the arbitrator arbitrators hmm. of their own or the arbiters of their own destiny, their mm-hmm. own you know, I am the center of my own world. That, that's just not true. Even if people think that way and feel that way yeah. and have believed that philosophy, which, by the way, is very easy to believe in the United States because, you know, again, we talk about right, right. how Damn how freedom creates this sense, this false sense of 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 um, of autonomy. Freedom creates this yeah, false yeah, sense yeah. of I'm in control. Yeah. Right, but if you were in a place where where you weren't in control of your life, where other people were in control of your life, whether by good or by bad, by force or you know, mm-hmm. um, and you're experiencing a level of persecution, then you realize how how not autonomous you really are. Wow! Yeah, and you know that makes you think about when the Israelites were in Egypt, mm-hmm. and they're being you know they have slave drivers they're being treated terribly and they're not in control right and they call for god right or the many times that israel gets um taken over mm-hmm. and then they're not in control and so this common theme of like when they're not in control they cry out to god right but then when they're with god they mess up and they're just like yeah. and they forget about him yeah and i think that i think that part of spiritual life is reminding yourself how that you're not in control because I was mm-hmm. gonna say the thing that, that you said before really like I love love the you said there's nothing nothing but persecution to show you how much you're not in control. Right. Right. And then the fact is like in again, we're not mm-hmm. really being persecuted in the Western world. And so right now I could go home and either sure I could read the Bible, but I could also like go and play a video game or go sure. on my TV and do whatever I want to do. Right. And then but then I know that I'm missing out on touching like a part of eternity. Right. And then there's a sense of like you know, I have my own free will, like I and but then there's, do I want to do that, right? Do I want to just do this these certain things? Do I want to touch eternity and just mm, be with Him, right? right? And like kind of grow in that mm. aspect. And then that brings me back to the verse in Proverbs that says, "Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." Mm. And so, a person who has been persecuted has way more fear of the Lord than a person who isn't. 
mm-hmm. which means they're going to live the way that you're saying of wanting to touch eternity every day right in those in those in those um no mm-hmm. those those disciplines yeah then a person who is in this scenario with like with me where i'm not really being persecuted so there's there's a level of like kind of lesser fear there because i have i i see more control for myself yeah so mm-hmm. i see that yeah. and, and that's awesome yeah i think i think in our world autonomy is a big thing because um it is so easy in this setting to think that we're in control. Mm. You know, it is so it is so easy to think that that is a given, that mm. that is a natural um, right that we have in life, where we don't realize that that's just a phenomenon of our society, of yeah. our social structure, that you know we can have opinions. You know, mm. I you know you can say something, and I could disagree with you right or um or we could create or 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 tear down we could create consensus or tear down things depending on on opinions and you know collective opinions coming together mm-hmm. or dissenting whatever um but that's a that's a byproduct of of our society in the sense that you know um we we have a sense of individual freedom in the United States that and then again you know this is not putting down countries or anything or forms of government that's not what this is about to me I look at it from a biblical perspective right this when I think of autonomy um, when I think of of the of things like that and living from a, a creator to creature understanding I think of our original purpose. Hmm. Um, was to live in in dependence, not independent, but Mm. in dependence on uh, God. That's the greatest Mm. life you're going to have if you live that way. Now, I want to go back to what you said before about, you know, so what Danny said also, that everyone needs a God, right? Mm -hmm. So why the God of the Bible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so... There's a there's a bunch of perspectives that we can go on with that. You know, some people have taken the traditional... um, uh, theistic proofs, you know, that there's there's uh, there's two types of apologetics out in the Christian world. There's mm. ev- what's called evidentialists mm. and also um, presuppositional. Um, and evidentialists would say, well, you know, here are the evidences. Okay, you know, here's blah blah blah. And and when you say evidence or proof, um, it's more like a, a a culmination or a, or a um, a stacking together of a whole bunch of proofs that say, okay, the probability of this okay. is super high, okay. right? So, you know, while I appreciate uh, evidentialism, evidentialism, yeah. While I appreciate that, and I th- and I use it, it's important to okay. me, but it's not the basis of where I start. So for me, I start on the basis of the claims of the Bible itself. Um, And then I look at life and say, does life make sense from this principia, from this starting point? Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Does this play itself out in a way that if we look at life, and if we look at the way things are and the way things should be, 
does the Bible sufficiently address, not only address it, but does the Bible sufficiently have a good, solid explanation and reason for what is going on in the world and what is the progression of mm. human history? But wouldn't wouldn't other other people and other religious groups argue the same thing? That to them, that's they they would. But then at that point, you'd have to you'd have to then dive into the arg those arguments like the evidence based ones right well okay. not no not not necessarily evidence not necessarily evidence based on the external evidences okay but the internal evidence of well then show me how your how your principia your starting point right makes sense <clears throat> of humanity hmm makes the most sense of humanity show show it to me oh. demonstrate that to me just don't tell me that it does Okay. But demonstrate that to me. Interesting. So what I've noticed and what I've seen with, I would say most, if not all religions mm. uh, of the world, is that there is no demonstration of how life makes sense from their perspective. There's only a, there's only a, uh, a declaration, in a sense, that, it does. that life, this is supposed to happen. Okay. But there's nothing you don't you don't go from the perspective of you know, let's look at redemptive history, let's look at humanity, let's explain why humans are even the way they are. Mm -hmm. Why why is humanity in the state that it's in? Mm. There's not much of that in at all, if anything. Mm. Um in a lot of other religions. Now what a lot of other religions will do is they won't explain why humanity is in the state that it's in and what the solution is. But what they'll do is they'll just say, this is how it is. And the only way that you can possibly make it through here is if you do these things. Hmm. And even with that, you're not assured that at the end of your life, you you are going to make it. In other words, it's hmm. a crapshoot. Wow. Gotcha. You know, it's a crapshoot, you know, like, so this is, this is what God requires of you, but there's no like real theology as to why things are that way. What mm. happened? Gotcha. What was the reason? What, what's the, what's the end goal of this whole thing? What, mm. what is, so, so, mm. so think about it. Like most, most religions, you'll have a set of dogmas or a set of principles and everything really focuses around living this life. Okay. And how to manage this life. And how in managing this life, you know, you may, there, you know, in some religions there are aspects of eternity. In other religions there's no aspect of eternity. You know, mm -hmm. eternity is not a, you know, is not even a, uh, a concept in some things. It's, you know, some, some of the stuff, some of the principles and precepts are focused on how to get the best out of this mm -hmm. life that you can. Um. And then even with other concepts of eternity, so other concepts of eternity still focus on some form of coming back to this life that you're in, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be reincarnation or right, something right, right. like that, right? It's still focused around this little thing, which the God of the Bible is so much bigger than mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. Earth is not the center 
<laughs> yeah. necessarily of God's universe. Okay. Now it is the place where God interacts with humans right now. Yeah. Right. But but the God of the Bible, the triune God of the Bible, is beyond this world. Mm -hmm. Okay. The triune God of the Bible speaks of eternity, speaks of a vastness of the the universe, the, the universes, the yeah. the the you know the the God of the Bible. Now now granted Islam has a sense of awe of this God too. Uh -huh. I'll get I'll I'll give I'll give Islam that, you know, not to take that away from that. But when it comes to then explaining why people were created, hmm. what is right. happening now, where we're going, Christianity actually has the only full scope of understanding hmm. of that full human. So it's not that Christianity just says, well, believe this, this, and this, and this, and you'll have a better life. Now, that's what at times we've... Right, right, right. We've, right. And that's why, that's why it's hard for us to separate it sometimes from all other religions. Hmm. Like even for Christians, for some Christians, Christians get caught up in, you know what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do, how I'm living my life, the benefits that I'm getting here. True. Right? Christians get caught up in that, but but we we have to understand that the the story of the Bible, the triune God of the Bible, mm -hmm. is a story of an eternal uh, purpose. It's mm. a story of something that's way bigger than even our human history here on earth. Yeah. Our human history is a part of that, but the purpose of God is so much more bigger than that. And there is a narrative, there's a story that weaves from eternity um, into this story here. But this is not about you know, what I can do here on earth to make my life better and right. to possibly you know, get eternity. This is mm -hmm. not about that. When we, as Christians, bring it into that, then we're, what we're doing is we are then at that point putting it on the same plane as all other philosophies mm. and religions. Mm. So what makes it different from any other religion or philosophy on earth if our focus is just how to get a better life? Well, some people could argue, well, man, I've been doing good with Buddhism. Gives me True, great principles. Yeah. It gives me great, mm. but that's not what this is about. It's not about. It's, it's not about enhancing your life. Mm. It's not about enhancing your life, and that's that's the wow. that's where a okay. presupposition, a presuppositionist would say that's why you have to start with the God of the Bible, the Triune God of the Bible. Okay, so so before you continue, <laughs> you've. You mentioned the Bible a couple times, and I wanted to hit on this because this is a major argument mm, um, when yeah. it comes to Christianity mm -hmm. is the the accuracy of the Bible. Right, trustworthiness. The trustworthiness. like word? You know, you guys claim that it's God's word, but this book is, what, 2,000 years old, yeah. something along those Many lines. Authors. And it's like, it's been translated hundreds of times. It's, it's gone changed. through hundreds of people. It's impossible and it was written by man. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Like, how could you? I mean, and the thing is, it, it's 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 interesting because when you get asked that as a Christian, mm. it's tough because their argument in a way makes sense sure. without you involving faith or your ex right. 
personal experiences. It's like, dude, all right, you you you're reading a book, mm-hmm. and you dedicate your entire life to this book, that is two thousand years old, that was written by man, mm-hmm. translated a hundred times. How how could you possibly dedicate your entire life to this book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's 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 a good that's a good a great thing, and so. The way, the way I I I look at that and, and my perspective on that is, now you can go at this point. You know, people would say, "Oh, you know, if you're a presuppositionalist, you're not a you don't believe in evidence." Well, that's not true either. Yeah. What a presuppositionalist would say is, "What is my starting point? My starting point is not to find." If God is real based on evidence, my starting point is that God is real, that mm. God, that scripture makes the most sense of life. Based on that, then these evidences only support, you know, what I what I already know from from this point of view, from the 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 understanding that God is God and man is man. All right. And we should we should uh, we're created. We're going to find our best and our truest self in this relationship with God. Would you say that's a that's a good way for somebody? Sorry to interrupt you with a no, kind no, of sidetrack right. question, but it just interests me. Like somebody that is not Christian doesn't really have a religion, claims to be ag- agnostic. Maybe mm-hmm. is that like a good starting point for them to say, "All right, if I'm if I'm looking to see what's true and what's not, let me start from the idea of there is a God and God is real." Mm-hmm. Is that a good starting point for them to start like? involving themselves in all right let me see if this is real let me see if this is true no and i think it is i think you know i think anything is a good starting point i think you know a couple of things that we have to realize is that you know at the end of the day for all the talking we can do and Mm -hmm. and and arguing we could do we're not we're not we we can't convince anyone at Mm -hmm. the end of the day so and this is and and again this is this is uh, just uh, a mindset of thinking sometimes where even as Christians, we get pulled into this. Um, we It is imperative. Now, when we're talking, when we're talking to people that don't believe, obviously you want to communicate in a way that's intelligent and you want... Of course, of course. But for us, for our perspective, there's a couple of things that we know that we do not need convincing of okay? okay so one of that one of those perspectives and this is why a presuppositionalist would argue from that point of view because they would argue from what's called the impossibility of the contrary in other words why would i subject myself to argue for god on the basis of something that i don't believe hmm. right i would argue from god from the basis of what I do believe, what I do believe as my foundation for knowledge and truth and understanding. That's where I would argue for God because that is where I've not only experienced God, mm. but where I believe the truth to, of God in my life to be. So now going back and you're saying you're, you know, you're, you're, you're communicating with someone and you're, you're, you're sharing with someone, well, what are you communicating? You're communicating the gospel, right? Because our belief is that there's no salvation in just a generalized the- theistic God. Okay. Right? So what what would I gain 
by just arguing the existence of God. I mean, it's good, it's nice, but does that save you? Because hmm. listen, at the end of the day, we got to be honest. We believe right. in salvation. Mm -hmm. We believe in the triune God of the Bible. That's why, like, when we talk about when we talk about presupposition, you know, even 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 someone who argues from an evidential standpoint, their presupposition is the God of the Bible. They're arguing the God of the Bible. Hmm. At the end of the day, unless they're unless they're calling someone to just a generalized theism, we you know we I think we need to be upfront right from the beginning, right? Are we trying to convince ourselves mm. why the Bible is true or not? No, we. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't necessarily need to because that's what coming to faith is all about. That's part of the spiritual dynamic of coming to faith. Mm. That is part of the spiritual aspect of being a Christian. That it's not just an ascent, the mental ascent to a to. Oh, I'm convinced. You convince me. That the God, the triune God of the Bible is right, right, right. So we don't come from that perspective. So, so what would your approach be to somebody that is a very logical thinker, somebody that comes to you ready to argue, like to say, like, yo, like, listen, right? How could this be real? This, this, and, and that? that, and so I said all that for that very reason. Okay, you, you asked that the right question. So the right question is, I would not, you know, am I, am I, am I here? You know, am I here to show you that my God is the true God? Or no, my job as an apologist, as someone who believes what I do, my my job is to persuade. My job is, as First Peter says, to give a reason for the hope that is within me. Okay, that's my job. There's nothing in Scripture that commands me as a Christian to make people see the viability of my God and the viability of Christianity. Okay. What scripture commands me to do is to give a reason for the hope that is within me. Is that the same as trying to convince somebody? Is that the same word or is different? I think it's, a, it, I think it's, uh, I, some, some uh, apologists would, would call it persuasion. Persuasion, okay. You know, persuading. So we engage in persuasion. So what does persuasion do? Persuasion is you give, the most arguments in a sense or the most reasons for why your perspective is viable or even more viable than mm. someone else's perspective in this situation that's what the art of persuasion is about that's what persuasion is you're persuading them to whatever point you're 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 trying to make right so when we talk about you know um, defending the faith or whatever. From mm. my perspective, I don't. I don't seek to prove you wrong and prove me right. Okay. What I seek to do is I. I'm not. I'm unapologetic that I'm coming from a perspective. I am coming from a presupposition. I am coming from the fact that I'm not trying to make you think that God is real. Like there's a generalized theism that's going to mm. save you because I don't believe that. I don't believe that generalized theism saves anyone. Mm. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that, you know, even the, the demons believe in God, mm -hmm. right? So we, you know, we hear, we hear, so, so my perspective is not 
yeah, I want you to, you know, believe that there's a generalized gotcha. God. So I have to show you that my, my framework of belief makes the most sense of life. Mm. So how do I do that then? I, well, I, I did a little bit of that already with you guys. Right. We talked about, you know, the original decree of, of God and man. You know, we talked about why people walk around trying to fulfill their lives with idols, mm. right? Why is that dynamic? So we see that dynamic happening. What's the explanation for that dynamic? Well, not Ooh, too many religions like would, would, right. would give you an explanation for that dynamic. They totally ignore it and they just say, you got to do this, this, and this. And then if you mm. do this, this, and this, you'll make it to heaven. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Maybe. Whereas Christianity says, well, this is this way because of this. Hmm. And this dynamic that you experience on an everyday life that everyone is trying to philosophize about and everyone mm. is trying to... Human philosophy throughout history has tried and failed to explain why things are the way they are hmm. here. And yet Christianity says we were created mm -hmm. by God, by this specific God, for a specific purpose. That purpose was thwarted in a way, and what you're seeing now on earth is the result of humanity trading off their original intent mm. and trying to replace it with substitutes. And what you're seeing now in human history is that hmm. but this is what god has done in order to correct that or in order to destroy that or to mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. to get the original decree that was always from the beginning yeah to end up where it needs to end up you see there's nothing there's nothing of that type of progression in any other religion you will only find that. So mm -hmm. the common theme is just like many other religions declare things, but don't show you. Declare things, but they don't, they don't show you how life, how their philosophy of life makes sense from, from, from alpha to omega. Mm. Do, do you have a quick example of that? From like from a religion that's like maybe a common um, thing yeah, that you've seen? Take, take Islam because there's yeah. like the, the top the top four religions yeah. right now which so do you have like a quick example of like from islam of like something that they declare that um is something that you see is like a common theme that uh, what would be what would be, i think you know there's there's definitely better people i, I you know I was, and I, I say i say islam because they're like a close second to how many people in the world oh it's total yeah it's and, a very close second and they're saying you know by 2050 islam will past christianity in the amount of people first of all does that does that scare you in any way or is it like why is this happening and yeah. should christians be trying to change that perspective or that uh which leads me to another angle. question about me about, uh, <laughs> too many <laughs> we got we got, we got like five okay. questions right now <laughs> that's the other one <laughs> yeah well let's talk let me look before hold on to that let's okay. talk about islam first all right so again, uh, if we if we try to compare religions, which you never want to do, and, you know, and I and and even with people, I respect, you know, any when you when you talk about other religions, yeah, um, 
first of all, we should never disrespect. Mm -hmm. Always with humility. Um, you know, our job in persuasion is not to just tear people down or tear things down, but our job in persuasion is to, yes, in a sense, we're, we're a wrecking ball to anything, any pretense that keeps people from seeing who God is, mm. okay? Because the Bible does talk about that in, in Corinthians. Uh, it talks about um, that we are to cast down everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And that's mm. not just a mental thing. You know, people use that like, oh, yeah, I got to cast down my thoughts. But that's also philosophies. That's also things that try to establish themselves as truth over God's truth. That we are to we are to bring light to those things by casting them down and exposing the the lack of truth, so to speak. Hmm. But the other side of that coin is that we are also purveyors of incredible hope. Hmm. And what we're doing by casting down those strongholds is casting down those strongholds so that people could see the true nature of the hope that's available to them. Hmm. Okay. So when we engage, when I engage other religions, I don't engage other religions from the standpoint of I'm going to tear you down. And, yeah, you're wrong. You know, I'm right. Right. Scorched earth. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to leave you to die and yeah. rot. No, what my perspective is, I feel like I have a hope. I have this incredible hope. And all these things are kind of blocking your view from seeing this hope. Mm. And my job is to tear down that wall, those walls, whatever material whatever fortress, whatever whatever thing is built up, I want to tear that down so that you can see this hope hmm. that's hiding behind that wall. Okay. okay. So that's how I that's how I see that. So when I so when I think of interacting with is with Islam, um I think uh I mean there's a there's a couple of things, you know, where if we went from an evidential point of view you could talk about the nature of even you know and you know not to disrespect the quran or the prophet or anything like that because i understand the importance of that but at the same time if you look at the nature of scripture so we talk about um you know the 66 authors um you're not going to see that in any other religion especially in islam mm. okay it was all written by one right? one person in a tent you know, it was like this, God gave it to that person, and then that person like spread. not only gave it to the world, expressed it to the world, but said, you have no choice but to believe what God gave me with no one around me, no one to see this whole process, no one to, mm. no, histor no historical context to verify this process, okay? And I'm talking specifically about Right. Islam and the Quran, right? As opposed to Christianity, where you have not only sixty-six different authors, but in those sixty-six different authors, you see a overarching narrative from Genesis to Revelation mm -hmm. as to the redemptive history of of the Triune God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. number one, and then number two, you also see it within historical context so you see things that have been dug up arch you know archaeologists right. have dug up and even things that people in the past which by the way you won't hear much of this anymore because there used to be this narrative in the past oh you see 
that historical thing is false, you know, the Bible, the blah, blah, blah. But you don't see that anymore because there's been so much archaeological discovery to support the context of the Bible, mm -hmm. okay? So you're talking about a story that's given within history with many different authors involving many different people that are involved in this whole thing. Mm. In other words, especially, especially when you get to the New Testament, especially when you get to the New Testament, now you're talking about a group of people that weren't necessarily trying to start a new thing, but what they were actually trying to do was to show how Jesus was the fulfillment hmm. of Yahweh, of you know the, the, the decree of Yahweh, the God of the Bible from the beginning. This was the original plan of God. This wasn't something new. This was an extension of the original plan. Hmm. And now the, when, you, when you read in the original languages, you actually see that more. Like in, particularly when you read in Greek, you see how much of the New Testament is quoted or how much of the Old Testament is actually quoted in the mm -hmm. New Testament and how much of the New Testament is in a sense a commentary hmm. of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the Old Testament fulfilled in wow. Christ Jesus, in the redemptive work of, mm. of Christ and how that, their their intent, their desire was to connect that and to show how this was, this was God's plan from the beginning. Hmm. Hmm. Whereas one of the things that you will find in Islam is that somehow God had a plan, but then it got corrected in Christianity, and then Christianity's plan got corrected in Islam. Mm. There's really no progression. There's a sense of correction. You right. know, how, how, you know, there was this original Hebrew plan, Christianity corrected that, and Islam, in a sense, corrects both of them mm. okay again through the through the prophetic utterance of one man mm -hmm. supposedly by god that's not the case with scripture right at all scripture you got to understand the bible was written within historical context refers to real historical mm. people mm. and refers to the 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 workings of the church within historical framework hmm. interesting it makes it makes sense yeah it makes the most sense you see so it's not blind faith we're not looking at it and saying oh yeah well i believe that no it makes the mm -hmm. most sense and that's part of the persuasion that you that we have to get into so i start from the impossibility of the contrary Right? Because listen, everyone has a presupposition. Don't forget this. Yeah. Everyone has, there is no such thing as neutral ground. There are no such thing as brute facts. Everything is defined by something. Okay. Okay. Facts just don't pop out of the ground hmm. as brute facts. Everyone defines something. Something has been defined by some philosophy, some understanding, even science. In a sense, science has defined what are considered facts. But there's no such thing as brute facts that just come out of the ground. Hmm. And people say, oh, yeah, that's just brute facts. That just is factual. No such thing. Everything is defined and everything has a presupposition. Okay. Okay? So why am I going to give up my presupposition 
for someone else's presupposition, especially when someone else's presupposition has only gained any sense of authority or any sense of of viability in the last maybe 200 years of history. Mm. Wow. From you on it, mm-hmm. wow. right? Absolutely. Why might so? Why will it? Why would I give up my presupposition? So here's the thing: going back to Islam and stuff like that, n- not to disrespect um, the devotion, the desire of a lot of you know, um, of a lot of people who really want to find and seek God. And I feel for their journey. I feel for any journey apart from, and I I don't say this in a prideful way, but I feel I feel for any journey toward understanding and knowing God apart from Christianity. Mm. Because in every other journey, there's so much dependence on your own ability to figure it out. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that actually goes into the question I wanted to ask you because we see this where if we look at other people and other religions, their devotion, Uh the time Mm. they take, their dedication and, and discipline is through the roof. In in Buddhism and Islam, like you see these people year after year, convinced, doing all they can, so devoted. Mm-hmm. And then you know the reason why you know w- when we come to Jesus, right? That we get, we're given the Holy Spirit, and so mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to mm-hmm. give us the desire to seek Him, and become more like Him. Mm-hmm. But then there's no Holy Spirit in them, mm-hmm. yet they, in terms of living for a God do better than i would say christians mm-hmm. yet there's no holy spirit in them mm-hmm. so what how do you view that because yeah, it's no, just that's... simply like you know are christians just lazy yeah, <laughs> or, yeah well i yeah. think there's some of that but apart from that i think here's the thing well let's just talk from a human perspective if your life of your eternity depended on something you would put a lot of work into it yeah okay. if i if i if i was to come to you with a gun and say you do 50 push-ups or I'll shoot you, you do your best to do those 50 push-ups. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Exactly. And so there's that aspect of it with the other religions. Oh, because we have grace. Right. We have grace. The message of grace for us, here, we got to understand that this is a double-edged sword. Uh. This is a double-edged sword. And again, this is the distinction with Christianity and all the other religions. As, as, as good as it sounds that all these people are putting all this human effort into their religion. And that's, for us, we look at that and we, we think, wow, that's astounding. We admire it. What's yeah. driving them. Right. And well, not, not only driving them, but it's astounding. It's, a, it's yeah, an admirable yeah, yeah. thing, yeah, right? Sure. But, again, how does Christianity best explain the dynamic of life and humanity that's happening here? Yeah. If we look at that from a point of view of human autonomy, of people replacing the true knowledge of God for their own understanding of God, mm-hmm. then we see how human effort, even for spiritual things, is actually a form of idolatry mm-hmm. in the sense that we are depending on our, again, our own ability to make this work, to mm. make this happen. We are depending on our own autonomy, on our own self-will, on our own willpower 
to try to make this happen. And so in a very subversive way, in a very mm. kind of sneaky way, you see how even in things that seem admirable, like religious fervor, you see how our humanity tries wow. to get its ugly hand in that effort. Mm. Because we even now see it as wow, it's admirable, and I and I do, I see it as admirable oh, too, right? There, there was a there was a, one day we, uh, the youth from the church, we went to go play soccer, and it was just a big group of us. And on the other side of the field was like this large group of uh, Muslim young adults. And next thing you know, we're all yeah. hanging out, playing games, whatever. We turn to look at them, they're praying, and they're all praying. Yeah. And we all just stood there like jaw dropped. We're like, wow, like. It was just crazy to see, like, in the middle of the soccer field, all of them yeah. praying. And it was like... You know, going to the direction of, I believe, whatever the, the thing is that they, that they like, pray towards. Mm -hmm. But them, them doing that exactly in the, in, yeah. the middle of, in the middle of playing games. It's just like, right. again, dedication and mm -hmm. devotion. What Absolutely. could be driving you? That's Absolutely. If the Holy Spirit is yeah. not working in your Absolutely. heart. Absolutely. So I, I would say the sense of, again, if you had a gun pointed to your head right, right, and I right. told you to do 50 push-ups... Hmm. you know, what would you do? You do those 50 push-ups with fervor and with intensity. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's one thing. And for then, a lot of them has become something habitual too, right? Yeah, it's habitual. Like but the then the other thing is we go back to the image of God in every man. The true knowledge of God is in every human being. Sin has caused most of humanity to replace the true knowledge of God with a false understanding of God. Hmm. So, so would you say they they've experienced um, a bit of the true God through the things that they do. And so that's why they kind of- Absolutely. They, they, they not only experience the true God, the, the, the true God but, they, but they are human beings walking with the true knowledge of God implanted mm. in them by God himself yeah. that are actively suppressing the true knowledge of God. Now, I would say this, I'd go to- and again, with all with super respect, mm -hmm. but if I go to if I go to I go to a person, forget religion. I go to any human being, and I say to them, "Hey, you know what? You're living for yourself." And this is something that we can, yeah, we can, you know, we could we could make a mental ascent to that and say, "Yeah, I agree." Right. You know, I go to a person and say, "Hey, you're living for yourself, man. You know, you're you're trying to find your own your own." Um, uh, your own wealth, you're trying to find your own fulfillment, you're looking at it in your job, you're looking at your identity in this and this and this. And we could say, yeah, that's cool. And we could even, we could even espouse, we could even acknowledge that and say, yeah, that's wrong. You know, mm -hmm. like we know that that's wrong. We know that there's more to life than that. Mm -hmm. But we get tripped up when we go to another religion because we see the religious fervor as something admirable but in essence it's the very same thing that the non-religious person is doing mm. do you understand mm -hmm. it's the very same thing in other words if someone who's non-religious is still fulfilling their lives with false things someone who's religious can also fulfill their lives with false things mm-hmm mm -hmm. So someone can go, I can, I can hmm. easily go to someone and say, hey, man, you, you know, money, your job, your career, uh, your status in life, whatever. At the end of the day, God, the offer is that you put aside your autonomy 
and you trust and and you place your trust in something else and someone else mm -hmm. for your salvation because so, mm -hmm. that's how it was meant to be from the first place i can go to someone who believes in islam and say hey you're putting your trust in the amount of prayer that you do the ability your ability um your but god is telling you that you need to let go of your autonomy you need to let go of your ability to save yourself mm. and he offers you salvation based on trusting him hmm. it's the same thing hmm. because the idea is that every human being whether they replace it with a religion whether they replace it with human philosophy whether they replace it with evolution whether they replace it with humanism whether they replace it with atheism agnosticism careers family status it's the same thing it's mm. all about human autonomy mm. and mm. do we live life from the creator to creature perspective or do we live life from us as the center of the world and the the, the thing with other religions that seems a little bit tricky is that well isn't devotion i mean they're devoting their lives to god aren't they yeah that yeah right yeah. aren't they doing that they're doing that in the extent of yes they're doing that in the in the extent that they are acknowledging that god is god so so that's where like uh my next question kind of comes in um like what is what is god what do you think is god's view on some of these religious people in other religions like is he interacting with them in any way so for example when a muslim is praying is god hearing their prayer and like all right they're praying to god their version of god which they still believe is somebody in higher power mm -hmm. so is god taking that prayer and saying all right like you know they're praying to me to allah yeah. to like what's what's going on there is how does god feel towards some of these people right i i have to default to this well two things first of all at the end of the day that's one of those places where i don't think i'm I don't. I think that's above my pay grade to think of how God feels about. Okay, so, okay, you know that's fair. Yeah. So that I think that's fair. And I think that that's the that's. I think that's that is the perspective that we should all take in general. Um, because we, I think we get into trouble when we try to answer those type of questions. Yeah. You know, we don't know. I don't know how God. I'm not God. Yeah. You know, looks at their prayers. I don't know if you know. I I do know this about God. My default is that. God created humanity. Mm -hmm. My default is that God loves what he created. He said he called what he created good. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the reality is that, you know, sin enter the world and that's and that messes up everything, but does but it doesn't it doesn't negate the original decree of God. Mm -hmm. And so based on that. I would have to I would have to conclude that God loves everyone. Yeah. Right? And that God you know, his heart, his disposition toward us is love, is openness. And again, that's where I go back to Christianity. Mm. So the default in a lot of other religions is that God's heart is not toward us. 
the default for a lot of religions, especially the major religions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's not an understanding. We take for granted things that God loves you, God right, cares for right, you. Right, 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 right. We take that for granted in Christianity because it's such a part of the 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 makeup of of Christianity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But guys, that's not the that's not the makeup of a lot of world religions, even the major world religions. Yeah, most of them, yeah. Right. So interesting. Yeah. So the so this understanding of love and 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 all this stuff, even that is a Christian concept. Even that is mm -hmm. a Christian understanding of who God is. We can honestly say that God loves the Muslim, that right. God loves the Jew, that God loves the atheist, that God loves yeah, we could honestly say that. And we could intellectually honest it would intellectual honestly honesty mm -hmm. say that because we believe in a God that does love. Other religions can't intellectually say that. Mm. They wouldn't say that as a matter of fact. Mm -mm. They wouldn't even say that. Hmm. I mean, you know, I I I Islam, true Islam, no, no, no. would to never say, say Allah loves me is sound something. Right. And they would need they would never say that God listens to your prayers. Mm. They wouldn't say that. Interesting. They wouldn't even go there. That's not even a concept. So we put that concept on us. Right. But they the, none of the other religions would ever even entertain that concept. Hmm. Of the sort of relationship aspect of it. Yeah. yeah exactly. And not only that, God is a loving God and you know, the the viability. Does God love does God listen to my Christian prayers or only to my Muslim prayers? Mm. You know, that's not even something that a Muslim would would contemplate because right. for them, it's not even in their worldview. I guess mm. you know to to and now and again, you know, I'm not saying that all. I'm, I don't want to categorize right, all right, Islam right, right. under one umbrella. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only the only place where there is a concept of that would be in Christianity. Mm. And again, going back to what's what's our job? My job is to persuade someone by by showing how Christianity, the teachings of the Bible, the God of the Bible and the Bible of the triune God make the most sense mm. of life. Mm. And that's what I do. I do that because I am convinced of my faith. Why? Because I have had a personal experience with this Lord Jesus Christ, mm. who has saved me, who has taken me out of darkness and brought me into his marvelous light and has changed my life. That is my principia. That is my foundation. That is where I start. I'm not going to give that up for anything because there is no such thing as neutral ground. I'm not going to give that up to go to someone else's presupposition of what neutral mm. ground is. Because their presupposition of neutral ground is based on their unbelief, is based on their belief of of humanist a uh, uh, humanist foundation, is based on a foundation of philosophies even that have not worked in life. Mm. So why am I going to give up the precious experience that I had with God? to try to argue on their basis. Now, what I would do is I would try to go and challenge the foundation of their basis. Mm. Why do you, you know, why are you good? Why do you think we should be good? 
well, you sh good, good is, you know, being good is, is a natural process of evolution. Well, yeah. how is that a natural process of evolution when all around the world, bad things are still happening? People are still, you know, we, mm. you know, people, you could look at world and evidence could say that we've evolved to be more evil. You know, so how can you say goodness is evolution? No, goodness is a concept that comes from God. Mm. Mm. So at the end That's of the day, you have no foundation for goodness. If you really, most people don't argue from that. Most people don't even think that way. They just take things for granted as neutral and then if you don't agree with with them then what they do is they make fun of you or they right, right, you know right. cancel you or, <laughs> yeah. or you know but most of what people most of what people accept in society today is based on consensus is based on you know what their people around them are uh -huh. comfortably accepting and uh -huh. you know but not necessarily based on what they've thought through mm. and what they've gone to its foundation and mm -hmm. seen as a because if they do if they actually go down to the foundation of what they believe, they're going to realize that they have nothing there that's worth putting that belief on because that belief is only made truly strong when you come from the perspective of mm. the God of the Bible and the triune and the, tri and the, and the Bible of the triune God. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and so mm -hmm. that's that's where I, you know, where I would come from with that. And mm -hmm. and again, it's not of God said it, that settles it. No. Right, right, right. This is more than that. This is, let's think through. Mm -hmm. Let's process why we believe what we believe. What is the foundation of what, you know, mm -hmm. let's process even the, the, the repercussions of if we believe differently, what what would be the 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 end result of that or if mm. we really came to the conclusion which is what's in the world right now that there's nothing for there's nothing as a foundation for their goodness or their sense of justice or their sense of you know and actually it really is parasitic when you think about it it's parasitic of christianity but they would never admit that mm. because they wouldn't even have those concepts of justice goodness mercy anything like that if it weren't for the bible yeah if yeah. it weren't for the god of the bible and the bible of the triune god again that's mm -hmm. why that's why when we talk about christianity we're not talking about theism and that's where i come from it, it doesn't to me it would never be why is my god you know the true to me it's 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 easy in a sense because it you can't make sense of life mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. way that's logical yeah and thoughtful yeah that makes sense without it that makes sense and again people yeah. would say that's my opinion but <laughs> yeah well um that no that was that was I got a lot from that. My mind is like trying to grasp all of that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm gonna have to like rewatch this episode a couple of times and, and just grab a, a ton of it. But, yeah. um, I mean, kind of like as a final thought, um, for somebody, I've, and this is something I've heard too, is let's say there is a God. It can't be the God from the Bible. And I, I don't want to go on down this whole rabbit hole because mm -hmm. this could be a whole other episode. But it's like it can't be the God from the Bible because of all the evil that's going on. 
Mm. Like, and how is it possible that God loves me, but if I don't believe in him or surrender my life to him, then I'm going to hell. Like the whole idea of heaven and hell, right? Like, what about all these people in these other countries that have never heard about God? And how is this loving God that supposedly loves me is going to send me to hell, even though yeah. I didn't grow up in a country or in a family or in a household that grew me up in Christianity? Right. I know that's a huge question and there's like, yeah. that, that could be a whole other episode. But if if you could just sure. break that down. Yeah, no, there are a couple of things with that. I mean, that's a good question. The question of evil, when it comes to the question of evil, that's always like... Uh, the defeater, you know that that that's always yeah. the thing that everyone, you know, and it, and uh, it's actually known as the defeater argument, you know, right. in the sense. Um, and it's interesting because as soon as something really evil happens, their first thought for somebody else is, "See, like, where's your God? Like, why right. did God do this?" It's like right. it's always their first thing that they say. Right? right. So here's here's the the one thing about evil, period. Um, and again, and this is kind of. You know, this is this is where to start. I mean, obviously, if if we did, had a whole other um, podcast, we could go into this deeper. Yeah. We'll bring you back. We'll but this back. is here's here's the here's the the starting point yeah. for that. How 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 do how do these people define evil? What, in other words, the fact that you can define mm, evil, mm-hmm. mm. you're acknowledging then that the definition of evil is evil because of the way it's been defined. The, the definition of evil has been defined by God, mm. by scripture, by, you know, so, so how are you defining evil if you have no foundation for what evil is? In other words, apart mm. from you, okay, you could say this, I define evil because... Well, this is what I think is evil. Well, that's you. Well, this is what consensus says is evil. Well, if you go to another place, consensus Mm -hmm, may mm -hmm. call something else evil. Well, you know, you keep going down the ravage. At the end of the day, you have to have a foundation and an authority to say this is absolute evil. Okay. Now, I agree that there's evil in the world. And there's a lot of you. And I agree that the majority of the things that people are horrified about are evil. Mm -hmm. But I agree to that evil because God has defined it as evil. Mm. In other words, the definition for evil has been defined by God. Mm -hmm. Evil is not this nebulous cloud in the sky that we grasp onto its meaning and we yeah. figure out, because if that were the case, then we would have a universal understanding of what is evil and what is not. And it's mm-hmm. not universal because other societies think certain things are evil and other societies don't think certain things are evil. Right. But I guess the argument there is like, all right, so let's say you're a father mm-hmm. and if you knew something really horrible was about to happen to one of your kids, you would do anything possible for that not to happen. Right. So, and if we view as God as our father, where is, how does that work? So the other, the other part of that is, again, w- number one, we couldn't even define evil if it wasn't for God. Of course. Mm-hmm. But number two is um, the, the moral, what is the moral necessity of evil? In other words, does evil have a moral necessity? Is there, in, is there a moral um 
is there a, a moral purpose to evil? And this is hard. You know, this is not easy. And we and obviously we don't play with this with people. We don't give pet answers. We never. As a matter of fact, in when people experience evil in the world, the fact that we can define it as evil, first of all, mm. I I can see it as evil because my God has told me that that's evil. When I see people enslaved, my God has defined what evil is, mm-hmm. okay, for me. When I see people who are going through atrocities, I can identify that as an atrocity because my God has defined what an atrocity is for mm-hmm. me and what is horrible and what is abhorrent and what isn't. Right. My God has defined that for me. Mm. I don't have to guess. That's not going to be based on consensus. That's not going to be based on whether I'm liberal, whether I'm conservative, Mm. whether I live in New York City or whether I live in Oklahoma. Mm. Okay, my God has defined it and it's not going to be defined by Mm. anything else. So that's one. But then number two is if, if there is a moral purpose to evil being allowed to function on earth. And so what's that moral purpose? At that point, we would have to say that God has an ultimate purpose for things. Mm. We don't always know what it is. So there is an aspect of God that we can't always understand, we can't always define. Um, Yet... What I do know is that God has identified evil for us. Okay. He's also identified how we should respond and react to evil. Mm-hmm. So there's something about God's nature that even though evil is a part of the world and evil is a part of the of the makings or the I don't know the the operation of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. There is a definition to it that has been given by God and a reason. It's not just this arbitrary thing, right? And if, if we believe that evil entered the world because of sin, mm-hmm. we also understand that it's not, it's not just something that God said, here, here's evil, you know? Right. Have at it. Um, there is an understanding of it being here. Okay. And at the end of the age, there's also this understanding that God is is somehow working within this structure to cause all things to come out for good. Mm. Okay. To cause all things to eventually end up the way they're supposed to be. And even the concept of justice and finality and eternity is based on the definition of good and evil by God. Because think about it. The very purpose of eternity and salvation is that evil is going to be destroyed. So that very thing that God has defined as evil, Mm. he's going to also destroy it at the very end. So not only does God define what evil is, gives us a picture of evil so that we, when we say something is evil, we can say it and know it, and we can say that is evil. Slavery, that's evil. Uh, Holocaust, evil. Um, right. You know, we can say that that's evil 
and we can we can say it with confidence because we have that foundation. God mm -hmm. has defined it for us. Mm -hmm. People could walk around, and we see it now. There's some people that are defining evil as evil, and then there's some people that are, that are calling e good evil and evil good. Mm -hmm. And we see that. Mm -hmm. That's scary. Of course. Because there's no foundation for that. Mm -hmm. Right? So then... It's like, how far will we go? Yeah, how far will we go? So if, yeah. we, if we are going to define evil, if we're going to define evil, not as Christians, but as the world, then we need to take evil seriously. Mm. We need to take evil seriously mm. in the sense of if we're going to define what evil really is, then then we also have to have a foundation and the basis for what that evil, even if evil, even if the, the existence of evil feels contrary to us, we have to have, we have to take it seriously and we have to have a true foundation of how we even define that evil. And then we have to, at that point, we have to say, well, if evil has this foundation, mm -hmm. then there has to be a moral purpose for it. Even, even if we don't get it, even if we can't see the moral purpose for it, if evil is evil and has this foundation, and if we can call it out, then there has to be a moral purpose for its, ex its, ex yeah, its existence. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and again, I think that if you look at all the religions of the world, I think that the Bible does propose mm -hmm. a, um, a reasonable understanding mm -hmm. for the existence of evil. Mm -hmm. in, in, in the grand scheme of God's redemptive purpose, evil is going to be eradicated. So even the fact that we call something evil and that it is going to be eradicated mm. speaks to the nature of God. Right. Now, why is it here? I don't know, but what I do know is that evil is going to be eradicated. Mm. God calls evil evil. God calls us to call evil evil. Mm. And that evil is not going to win at the end of the day. Hmm. according to Christian teaching and according to, <clears throat> which makes sense. It does. Right? Hmm. And so that's, so that's how I would, that's how I would see it. I mean, I could use some really simplistic things like, but, but it doesn't make sense because you never, when people, and that's the thing, you never want to simplify pastorally, hmm. never want to simplify a person's uh, per, uh, uh, the struggle of a person, the experience of a right. person, the evil that a person is experiencing. You never want to simplify that. What you want to do is because you can define as a Christian, because I can define evil as evil, then it should make me be able to sit next to you and cry with you mm. and recognize that evil as evil and recognize the, the, um, results of someone else's evil perpetrated mm. on you i'm not going to go to you and explain to you the moral nature of evil in this world yeah. and i'm not going to explain to you well you know you can call that evil because god's I'm not going to do that mm -mm. they'll smack you <laughs> right but i because i know and because i believe that yeah then when evil happens to you i could recognize it as evil as evil i could call it out as evil mm. And I could sit with you and mourn with you wow. as you're mourning that evil. Mm. 
<laughs> that's you've uh i've been blessed you've been uh, we've been blessed for sure no and i mean i hope that everybody listening and everybody watching was blessed by that this was definitely uh a very new episode for us that's awesome this was this is something that i know that everybody was watching was like wow like mind like, blown just as yeah, much as us goes up in level yeah <laughs> and this was this was uh very different in the way that we started every episode we've done. This is our 100th episode. Wow. So yeah. to have you on is an absolute blessing. Bro, I'm, this I'm is, honored. <laughs> this is this is the first episode that we've never done an intro. Wow. We've done an intro for so every other episode, but <laughs> we sat down and we just started talking. I turned everything on and I was like, you know, I was waiting for an opportunity to do an intro, but I was like, you know what? Like, let's just go into it because this is crazy. This was this is super awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Thank you for answering all of our crazy difficult questions. Oh, I love like, it. I love it. I mean, this is good. I mean, this is, you know, we again, first Peter says be ready, be prepared, mm -hmm. be ready to give yeah. the that's reason right. for the hope that is within mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. this is about. This was our vision for these type of episodes was for us personally to learn to grab some of that wisdom and then people just be able to join us on on that ride but awesome. it has been a blessing to have you here you you have been a a pastor uh my pastor for a long time <laughs> a long time you went from yeah. my youth pastor worship leader all of it um but so it's actually it's it's just awesome to be able to have you here and join us for you know yeah. this ministry we're trying to build here so I'm thank blessed you. to be here and I'm proud of you guys thank you thank you thank you <laughs> I don't think but, we share his name no, we didn't like no. But we'll, we'll we'll have to do a, a separate intro for yeah, the yeah. beginning to yeah. introduce him and and yeah. what now we'll do that on our own. But yeah, yeah. Thank you, Thanks, thank guys. you, and thank, thank you man. everybody that tuned in. Yeah. And uh, we hope you guys got some encouragement, some awesome wisdom from it. If you need to rewatch it, you probably should. You probably should. And um, yeah, thank you, and we'll see you guys for the next episode. Peace out.